Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is here to connect people with Jesus and with each other. If you're looking to get connected, you can find more info at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from Pastor Josh. Welcome, man. Welcome. Welcome to Harbor Church. This might be your first time or your first time in a long time. You might be tuning in right now online and watch this on YouTube or on Facebook or listen to it on the podcast. However you find yourself today, checking this out. We're so thankful uh, that you're, you're here or that you're listening, that you're giving God an opportunity to speak into your life. So thank you for that. My name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are in our second week of a series we're calling Bring It. And uh, man, we are, we, are, we are kind of paralleling what Scripture tells us to bring on a, in a spiritual realm with something we can do physically here on, on Cape Cod for our neighbors. So last week we asked you to bring it and we said, bring a backpack or a lunchbox. And you guys brought hundreds and we blessed our neighbors. We blessed the foster kids on Cape Cod. That's your generosity. That's you being the hands and feet of Jesus. This week we've asked you to bring back water bottles filled with toiletries for those that are suffering homelessness on on the Cape. And there is a lot of people that are struggling right now. So your generosity there is just gonna show them the love of Jesus again. And I know Katie already told you, like, I'm looking forward to next week when we're going we're gonna, to we're, we're gonna go expand. If you haven't noticed, we started with our actual physical neighbors. Like literally next door, we started with our neighbors. And then we went to a, a problem on Cape Cod, which is, you know, especially here in, in the Mid-Cape is, is the homelessness. And so we're kind of expanding it. And then next week, we're going we're gonna to cover everybody in the county. So we're going to be doing stuff for babies. So buy, bring some books or some blankets for those newborns. We want to bless them that way. And we'll continue to expand just as Jesus told us to continue to expand outward with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And that message is that God loved the world so much that he allowed his only son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place for our sins on the cross. This is the message that Jesus tells his disciples to take and to go out with. So what, if you don't remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the DNA of Harbor, we talked about this, this commissioning that, that Jesus gave his disciples. So listen to this. This is Jesus could have said anything to, to anyone. He could have, he could have, he, he's got his last, his last conversation with his disciples. He's been with them for three years. He's died on the cross and now he's risen from the dead and he's getting ready to leave them. And he could have said, all right, guys, why don't you go build me a kick butt temple? I want big screens and statues. Make it look real. I mean, like make it like super Jesus proud. Like, let's go. He doesn't say that. He never tells him to go build a building. He doesn't say, hey, I want you to get some Jesus sandals and a Jesus robe and a Jesus tattoo. That'd been kind of cool if he said that, but he didn't. This is what he says. This is how he commissioned them. In, in Matthew 28, verse 18, he says, he tells his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. I've got the power to ask anything of you, to do whatever I want, but here's what I'm going to do. So verse 19, because of that, therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So what Jesus says, he tells them five things. He goes, first, I want you to go. Get out of here. Go. Start talking to people. Go. Make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them. And then remember that I'm always with you. He gives them five things to do there. And this is his great commission to his disciples. Now that very first one, if you bring back up verse 19, it says, therefore go and make 
converts? Go and make Christians? Go and make disciples. Go make disciples. Now, why does he extend it to disciples? Aren't all disciples Christians? Yeah. But are all Christians disciples? Some of you are already picking up what I'm laying down. See, the Great Commission is for us to be a disciple and then go make a disciple. And a disciple isn't just somebody who likes Jesus. See, we would say like, oh yeah, I mean like a, a, a Christian likes Jesus, but being a disciple is more than just liking Jesus. It's about following Jesus, acting like Jesus, learning to love others the way Jesus loved them. A Christian is just somebody who's put their faith in Jesus. Now, I would say that's the most important decision you'll ever make is to put your faith in Jesus Christ. It's the difference between spending an eternity in heaven or in hell when you die one day. So it's incredibly important to be a believer, to become a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, but to, to begin to emulate him is, a ne- is, the, is the next step because it's, it's not just about knowing Jesus. That's the, that's the eternal question is, did you put your faith there? But those of you and many of you in this room, many of you watching, you would say, yeah, I'm already a Christian. I'm already, I'm good, I'm done. Do you know that they didn't even start using the term Christian till probably close to 10 or 15 years after this? The, the Bible says in Acts 11, 26, it says it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. Nobody looked at people and said, oh, there's those Christians. Those guys are Christians. That's Peter, he's a Christian. That's John. He's, they just said, those are the disciples of Jesus. The way to, to differentiate yourself was not to say, oh, I put faith in Jesus. It was to say, I am somebody who's emulating Jesus. I don't just believe that he's the son of God and he died for me. I'm trying to look like him. I'm trying to treat people the way he would have treated them. I'm trying to be more like Jesus and less like me every single day. <clears throat> so I would, I'd tell you this. I, I, I hear this a lot. I'm good. I'm a Christian. I'm good. I'm a Christian. I would argue that if you really understand the Great Commission, then you would understand that being a Christian is not enough. I'm not saying you won't get into heaven. I do think that that's incredibly important, and I, and I, hope, I hope you'll make that decision. But if you're here and you're like, Pastor, I'm good. I already have Jesus. Are you a disciple, though? Have you taken that step? Well, describe it for me and let me figure out. I'm so glad you asked. Let me, let me bring you back. Let me bring you back to what I, I challenged you with last week. And I challenged you with a verse of a, diff, of a story that Jesus was telling. And I didn't talk about the story because I was making a different point last week, but I want to bring you back to it. It's in John 15. And the most famous verse is verse five. And we'll start there and we'll, I'll come back to, to more later. But he says this, I'm the vine. Jesus goes, hey, I'm going to use a metaphor. I'm going to draw a picture for you. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Those who remain in me, who stay attached to me, and I stay attached to them, they're going to produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're not attached to me, you're not going to produce any fruit. Why does that matter? Well, if you read on, verse 6 says, anyone who doesn't remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers, and such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, verse 7 says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask for anything you want and it'll be granted. Now watch this, verse 8. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my father. He doesn't say, hey, when you read the Bible cover to cover, then you're my disciple. Hey, when you, when you learn to speak Christianese, you know, and say things like brother and sister, or, you know, hedge of protection, stuff like that. Like, he doesn't say any of that. 
All the things that, you, that a lot of people in church would say, this makes me a good Christian. I'm a disciple. How are you a disciple? Well, I, I tithe and I, and I, I teach a Sunday school class and, and I have a follow me to, to church bumper sticker on my car. That's not what he says. He says, those that produce fruit are my true disciples. So what we have to look at is, how is, it, how is that different for me right now? If it is, is how is that different for me? See, you hear me say like, oh yeah, you need to produce fruit. You need to be attached to Jesus. You need to have, you need to have some pro productivity in your life. And you know that and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, as a Christian, and maybe, and I know some of you are not sure what you believe yet. You wouldn't even classify yourself as a follower or a believer of Jesus. But those of you that do, and you would say, I'm there. You hear me say you need to produce fruit. And you're like, yeah, I know about fruit. Fruit's good. Fruit, good, good fruit, good fruit. Got it, got it. Jesus, got it. I love it. Jesus, we got it. I know the answers to the test. It's always Jesus. I'm good. See, Christians know fruit, but disciples grow fruit. A lot of churches are filled with people that know all about fruit. Oh, preach it, pastor. Preach some fruit message. Yeah, I'm not talking about do you know that there there's needs to be fruit. I'm asking you, are you actually you? You, are you growing fruit? See, if you want to know what this weekend's bring it is, last week we, we talked about how Jesus performs this miracle and he invites his disciples to be a part of it. And if we're going to start to be a part of what God is doing, then we have to bring a surrender and an expectation and a faith. And we talked about how the disciples had to have that at that feeding of the 5,000. When God gives you something, you have to learn how to share it, we said. And that's what he's saying here in John 15. I want you to learn how to grow some fruit that can be shared. So if you want to know what you're supposed to bring it, the answer is a lot simple. I don't have three things. You're supposed to bring fruit. That's it. Bring it. Bring fruit. You're like, that's a, not the message I thought I'd hear. Well, it's, it's a metaphorical fruit. And if you're going, sitting there going, what's, what's this fruit look like? Some of you know probably where I'm going to go next. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Almost as if though he knew that one day believers will be asking, Jesus keeps talking about fruit. <laughs> What's he mean? Because I think I'm fruitful. I think I'm doing good. Well, it needs to look like this, the Bible says. It produces this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these kind of things. This is the fruit that we're talking about. And if you don't know this list, this is a, a fairly famous list. And it's basically using fruit as a metaphor to stand in for these things that we need to have in our life. Fruit, something that they could have related to 2,000 years ago and something that you and I can still relate to today. Fruit. All this different kind of fruit that God says is supposed to be in our life. You can, those of you that get really wrapped up in illustrations, you're trying to take notes. You're like, which one's the pineapple? That, that one's patience. You know, I don't, I don't actually, I don't have a name for all of them. You do whatever you want, okay? I know some of you are nerding out hardcore right now. That's fine. The goal here is that you understand why it is he calls us to produce these kind of fruits. He could have told us to do anything. And then he said, the real measure of who is my true disciples will be the ones that can produce a lot of fruit. And then he, he lists a whole bunch of kind of fruits that you can check yourself against. When you look in the mirror, it should be packed full of fruit in your life. These, these things should be spilling out into your conversations, into your habits, 
into how you deal with things on the car ride to work, at work, conversation on the bus with your friends. When you're at home and you're dealing with bills, are you filled with joy and peace and gentleness and patience? Is this part of your life? Or are you failing this test miserably and wish I'd stop preaching on? Because the more I read it, the more I was like, I thought I was good, but man, why does it matter? Because see, this fruit, Jesus says, is your credentials. Remember what he says in John 13, 35? For the love that you have for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Where do we get love from? It's one of the fruit. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. When you have love, let's just, let's just say pears are love, all right? I know that messed up some of you already. It'll be different every service I preach it, all right? But right now, today, love is this pear. The more love you have, the more your credentials speak, hey, I'm carrying around this because I'm a disciple of Jesus. I've got real love. This isn't gonna be a message on love. I'd love to, I'd enjoy enjoy coming back to this passage and just taking a week and going through each one of these. And it's a powerful, powerful metaphor, but it's for today, for this weekend, for understanding what it is that God's calling us to bring. He's calling us to bring fruit and why? Because it proves that we're his disciples. That fruit shows that it shows everybody that, hey, we have something at play in our life. We have something growing in our life. Proverbs 11, verse 30 says it this way, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wise. The, the, the fruit of righteousness is the winning of souls, is my evangelism, it's my, ability, my, 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 my contribution to God changing somebody's life is the fruit that I have in my life God uses to change their life for eternity. So this is, a, this is something of the, of the heaviest importance. And it's one of the things that Satan would love for the, the average church today to just kind of push by the wayside. Because as long as I'm a Christian, I'm good. No, no, you're called to be a disciple. And a disciple is called to produce much fruit. And the church is filled with a lot of anemic, quote unquote, Christians. And we don't have any fruit in our life. And we tell ourselves it's okay because the person sitting next to us doesn't have any fruit. And as long as we just look like everybody else, we're fine. And God says, no, I want your life to be overflowing with these things. Bring the list back up. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I want this to be what everybody sees when they look at you. And the more I read that list, the more I wish that list didn't exist because it shows me let's just not let's not follow me around on most days. Now follow me to church. I might have a few of those. (laughs) Get in the car with me on the drive to work, and it's probably a different story. See, this is the thing, though, and this is what I want you to understand. The fruit of the Spirit, what it does is it captivates the mind of the people that see us. It compels their heart then to consume the truth. See, when he says, I want you to have this, he's, what he's saying is, I want you to wear this fruit. I want it to be coming out of your life so that people look at you and go, wow, there's something different there. There's something he's got that I don't got. There's something strange about her life. She, she doesn't react the way the rest of us react. He doesn't talk like the rest of us talk. She doesn't seem to be consumed with all the stuff that we're consumed with. It captivates them because you have a fruit that they don't have. And when their mind gets captured, when they become curious about what it is that's different in your life, it opens up the opportunity for you to tell them where the fruit comes from. I'm really a good person, that's how. Your fruit isn't about making you look good, it's about showing them how good God is. 
That's why God wants to grow fruit in your life. Not for you to pat yourself on the back. This is not an accomplishments kind of message. This is for you to understand that he's come up with a perfect plan for how your coworkers are gonna come to know Jesus when they start seeing patience pop up in your life. He's come up with the plan that when you start growing, let's just say whatever, you know, what, oh. Gentleness, I'm not very gentle. <laughs> just, just roll right off the table. But you know what? Maybe, maybe he's allowing you to grow some kindness in your life because that's the thing when one of your family members finally sees it, that's when that family member is gonna wanna know what it is you know about Jesus. But they don't ever see kindness in your life because you ascribe your values the same way the world does. Look out for yourself. You're not looking to be a disciple. You're already a Christian, so that's all there is. And you've cut your walk, your journey short. I told you that one of the core values at Harbor Church is that we want to be growing. That means we have a step to take. That means every single one of us have more fruit yet to be produced. So nobody, your pastor included, gets to read these verses and go, I've got enough. You don't. If it was Jesus, it'd be this giant overflowing basket. And here you are with not very little or none at all. And we're going to talk about that, but you got to understand why that matters. Because we want to get to the place where we can say what the psalmist said in Psalms 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Can, can you just start the time over? I'll preach this whole message again. When somebody gets to say, God allows us to produce fruit so that my friends or my classmates or my coworkers or my brother or my grandma, when they see the fruit in my life and they see things that are different, I can come to them, I can say, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then people around me begin to get saved and come to know Jesus. It's an evangelism tool. That captivate part means make them curious. That compel means Create some FOMO that I don't want to miss out on whatever it is you got. And when they consume, that means they convert. They say, man, I, I finally get it. That God you've been talking about, that Jesus you've been worshiping. I need that. So you ask yourself, how do I become more fruitful? Jesus covered that. If we go back to our passage in John and look right before we get to his part where he, he well, I read in verse five, let's start back at verse one. He says it this way. I'm the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. So now we got the metaphor. Jesus is the vine and God, well, he owns the vineyard. He's the owner of the land. He's the, he's the gardener and Jesus is this vine. And then Jesus says this in verse two, my father, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he, produce, he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they'll produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. So remain in me, this is verse four, remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. And then we get back to the passage that we read. Yes, I'm the vine. Why did he say it twice? Because we are hard-headed. Yep, I'm the vine, he says, and you're the branches. If you didn't get it from earlier, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Not you the vine and me the branches. Jesus is like, I'm the source. You should be an outpouring from me. Don't let me be your co-pilot. Let me sit in the driver's seat. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit for apart from me, you could do nothing. So what is he saying here? Well, he's saying well, that we have this job to produce a life, a basket, if you will, Full of fruit. The problem is, 
Man, the problem is when we start looking at our life, we see that there's four, four kinds of people mentioned in this verse. There's people that have no fruit. There's people that have some fruit. There's people who have more fruit. And there's people who have much fruit. Now, as believers, we're called to produce much fruit, but when we take a look at our life, sometimes we hear a message like this, and we like to pretend to people that we've got a lot of fruit, but we know that if they came up and really inspected, our bowl's empty. And here's the thing, maybe some of you just became believers. That's awesome. Your journey doesn't end. Just because you you, you gotta you gotta get out of hell free card. You get to bring something to heaven. You get to lay down at the feet of Jesus what you did with your life. When he says, Hey, what'd you do with the time I gave you to influence other people? How much fruit did you produce? How, what did you do with the talents that I gave you? You don't want to show up with an empty plate. Like I didn't really let you work through me because I spent all my time trying to earn a paycheck. He said to the quiet crowd. I didn't really show a lot of that fruit because I lived in Massachusetts and people suck, so I don't have to be nice to them. You understand? That's just excuses. We talked about excuses last week. So what do I do? How do I produce fruit? How do I produce fruit? There are three P's of production. There's three P's for producing fruit. If you look at that passage, God broke it down for us. Let me tell you the, let me, let me, let me go back to John 15, chapter two, verse eight. He says, he cuts off every branch of the ones that don't produce fruit. The branches that don't produce fruit, the empty people, the ones who currently have God so low on the totem pole that there is nothing spiritually coming out of their life. And that might be you. And it might be because once again, this is a new venture for you. Okay. You didn't know until today that this is a requirement or this is an expectation anyways. So what do you do? How do we get there? You recognize you're the empty bowl person. It's going to have to start with you prioritizing God. You are going to have to switch from all the other things that are currently a priority in your life and you're going to have to actually desire to produce fruit. You have to no longer, you can no longer be content with merely being a Christian. You have to say, God has made me for more than that. I would argue that some of you have been feeling an emptiness in your life, a lack of purpose, a lack of calling. You know that, there, that you should be doing more. You know that God's made you for a greater impact and you, you just can't, you can't seem to figure out what it is. He wants you to start growing fruit. And maybe as you begin to, to, to experience this prioritizing, you will have some doors open to you that reveal to you what he wants you to do with that fruit. But regardless of what your specific use is, all of us that claim Jesus Christ as our vine, as our shepherd, as our Lord and Savior, our call is to not stand here empty. I feel like I'm looking at a room that's got some people that know that you're pretty empty. So what's it look like to prioritize? Well, Matthew 6, tells us, Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what he wants for you. Put that as your top priority. You know what that might mean for some of you? Your current priority needs to go down a few pegs. Your love life should not be more important than your faith life. 
Your money in your bank account should not take up more of your desires and more of your focus than your walk with God. I know it's hard to say amen to, but it's true. You don't have any fruit because you haven't prioritized fruit. You've prioritized everything else and you're going to die one day and you're going to stand before God and you're going to hand them all the things that you prioritize. And the Bible says it's going to be like hay and stubble. It's just going to be melted away and you're going to go, I got nothing of real value. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 said, this is Jesus. He says, love the Lord your God. This is Jesus giving an answer to what's the most important question. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. What did Jesus know that his followers, the quote-unquote religious people of the day, seem to have forgotten? Well, I think they forgot that God has a priority that he wants to be in our life that's going to require us to commit more than just a couple hours one day a week. Well, I went to church. Is that all your mind, all your heart, and all your soul? Or is that a couple hours a week? Because see, when you wake up in the morning, it's God, I don't want an empty plate today. And when you get to work, it's God, I don't want an empty plate today. And when you're having conversations with loved ones, it's God, I don't want to be empty today. I need more of you and less of me. Well, if we do that, we go from no fruit to some fruit. Gosh darn it. God is really trying to let me know I am not gentle. All right, so we, got, we, got, we went from no fruit to some fruit, right? We got some fruit. That's good. Look at, look at what it says in John chapter 15. Go back, go back to verse number two. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. Why? So they will produce even more. See, some of us, we've got fruit, but we've also got leaves. And so you're sitting here and you're going, yeah, 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 yeah. I can, I can produce fruit. I know I need to produce fruit. But God says, I, this isn't what I created you for either. Some of you are sitting here and you're like, I'm better than the <laughs> sitting next to me. You had the empty plate. Stop comparing yourself to somebody who has less than you. God, if God gave you five talents, you don't get to worry about somebody who only got two talents. You have to answer for what he has for you. And so we're sitting there, we're like, man, I mean, I, I got some. I, I think you should be happy with that, Pastor. God says no. He says, once you, once you understand that you've been called to produce fruit, his father, the gardener, the owner of the vineyard, will actually come around and do this very tough thing where he begins to remove things out of our life. He begins to do this thing called pruning. And when God comes to start pruning in our life, we see God coming. No, thank you. No, thank you, God. I'm good. You can prune somewhere else, please. Why? Here's the truth. Pruning is always painful. But here's what I got to tell you, and I need you to lean into this, because some of you, God has been coming after you to prune some things out of your life, and all you can think about is the pain, and you don't understand the procedure. See, what he's trying to do, he is not looking to punish you, he's looking to prune you for greater production. I'm going to say that again, because some of you have been playing hide and seek with God, because you know, he's like, hey, got a lot of leaves in your life. I appreciate the fruit that's there, but I got to get you from some fruit to more fruit. And the only way I can get more fruit in your life is if I get some of those leaves out of your life. 
Now, I need you to understand, leaves aren't necessarily bad. They're just taking up space where there could be fruit. I swear, if you guys don't start getting on board with me, I don't like this message any more than you do, but we're going to hear it. God says, listen, I'm coming. I might need to cut that relationship out of your life because it's not as good for you as you think it is, and it's stopping you from producing some more fruit. You have a habit in your life that is taking, it's creating a lot of leaves. If you let me cut that habit out of your life, there's going to be room for me to grow something so much better. I have never, I like, listen, and I, we live in New England, and we're coming up on that season where all the girls wear boots they don't need to wear and vests that, that, that serves no purpose. And we all go out to apple orchards and pay way too freaking much to pick apples and put them in a bag when we could just go to the store and buy them for like one-tenth the price, but we do it. And yeah, I have never once gone to one of those apple places with a $50 bag or whatever it was that you had to pay for and gone, oh, I, I hope I get some of those leaves. Oh, these look delicious, these leaves. Oh my gosh, if my kid did it, I'd be so ticked. <laughs> I'm like, you go right back in there and get some apples. You go get that $20 apple I paid for, let's go. We're making the most expensive apple pie we've ever had. Why? Because leaves are fine, but nobody wants to eat a leaf. And in the end, God doesn't, hasn't called you to be somebody that's a leaf producer. They're fine. They're fine until they get in the way of what God's trying to do in your life. So these leaves, they may not be sin. Some of you are like, well, I'm not sinning. It may not be sin. It just may be a priority that you have that you shouldn't have anymore. It may be something, because you don't have enough time. Oh, I know, but I just don't have the time to do that. I, don't, I, can't, I can't lead a group. I can't, I can't be praying more. I can't, I can't be sharing my testimony. I can't join a mentor group. I can't, I can't serve at church. I can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't go over and visit that coworker. I can't. Why? Because you got too many leaves. So God can't do anything to grow anything in your life. The Bible says this in Exodus chapter 34, verse 14. You must worship no other gods for the Lord whose very name is jealous is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Don't be surprised if a jealous God looks at a whole bunch of leaves and goes, why is there more of this in your life than this? I've designed you for this. And when I look at your life, you got all this other stuff. But you tell me, you're, but I got a little bit of fruit. If I designed you to be this and you come to me with this, I'm not sitting there going, oh boy, I'm so glad. I'm going, do you have any idea how much better it could be? Do you not see what you can, we could have if we just pruned a little bit, made some more room on your plate? So that's how we go from nothing to something and then some fruit to more fruit. But is that what he called us to have? He didn't say more fruit, stop it, more fruit. Look at John 15, 5. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, much fruit. The Bible says in Luke chapter, 18, verse, or Luke, Luke chapter 8, verse 15, the seeds that fell on the good soil, those represent good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. How do, I, how do I do that? How do I patiently produce a huge harvest? Let's go back. John 15, 5. On the vine, you're the branches, those who remain. Some of you learned the Bible verse 
or have a Bible that says abide, those who abide in me, those who remain in me, those who stay connected is what he's saying. See, it's not, it's not just about prioritizing and pruning. It's also about persevering. See, we have to be willing to persevere. That's that third P, and it's huge for production because a lot of you, 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 you've experienced a little bit of the first two, but you quit because it got hard. Your walk with God has been stunted because you've walked away from God right in the middle of him calling you to take a hard step. You said, oh, it's too hard, so I got to go back to being me. And right when he was trying to produce something great in you, you cut him off. He said, no, being attached to the vine's too hard. It's too hard. The season's too tough. We're going through a famine. It's a drought right now. The sun's too hot. I, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna break off from God. I'm gonna do my own thing. Tell me a branch of a tree that breaks itself away from the tree that ever does better that way. And yet I'm, our churches are filled with people who used to come. And if you went and ran into them, like, oh yeah, I mean, I go to church every once in a while. I pray to God in an extreme measure. You're not attached to God. You're not abiding in God. You're using him as a backup, but you're not there. He says, um, those who remain in me, remain in me. It's going to be tough to remain in him. It's going to be hard to stick with your faith when nobody else around you has a faith. It's tough to live in a world that constantly, in greater and greater measures, uh, how am I going to say this? They... They lower God intentionally everywhere they can. They diminish the value of faith everywhere you look. Every movie you watch, every news report, everything that's in culture is all about having less and less God and more and more of us. That should not surprise us that that's what everybody's ascribing to because Satan knows that the more of Jesus in your life, the more fruit there will be. So he's got to make sure that you have every reason in the world to not remain there. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Amen. Blessed is the person who remains, who abides, who stays connected. You know, I, I looked it up and they said there's, there's a lot of experts and everybody has a different opinion, but there's a lot of experts, sommeliers, wine tasters, who say that the best wine are the grapes that have gone through the biggest storms, the toughest years. The grapes that remain after a hurricane or a, or a cold frost or a, a drought, the, 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 the grapes that can go through a hard time, they think ha those are some of the best years. There was a flood, killed a lot of them, but the ones who remained, the grapes that remained were the sweetest, the best. I thought that was kind of unique. Stay committed, be rooted, is what the Bible calls that. To be rooted, to remain permanently there. Ephesians 3.17 says it this way. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. See, the, the thing I wrote in my Bible is the fruit is the root. The fruit's in the root. Where are you rooted? See, if I want to go from, from no fruit, I got to start prioritizing, and that'll get me some fruit. But if I want to go from some fruit, and that's where, so, that's where a lot of you are at, I got some fruit. I need, 
I need to go from some fruit to more fruit, then you're going to have to start pruning out. And those of you that have already prioritized and allowed God to prune things out of your life, he wants you to pr produce even more. He wants you to produce much fruit. But those, those people are so few and far between because it requires you to be rooted and grounded and to remain faithful even through droughts and through floods and through everybody else's opinion and through all the things that scare you and all the things you don't understand. You don't give up. You don't detach. He says, those who remain in me and I remain in them, those are the ones that have the bowls full of fruit. Those are the ones that get to see the productivity of God in their life. Those are the ones that when people look at him, they're like, wow, she is gentle and kind and patient. Man, look at him. He's so long-suffering. And, and, and the, the gentleness, the kindness, the goodness, the joy, the love, that just comes out of their life. The people around you need to see God working through you if you just could have some more fruit, man, what God could do with that in the lives of the people that are closest to you. You're cutting them off, though. I want to leave you with this because there really is another P. And that's for those of you who, when you heard me say, Jesus is the vine and we're the branches, you knew deep down that you're not even a branch. See, you knew deep down that you're, you're, not even, you're not even connected to the vine, let alone on a journey to produce fruit yet. See, what it means to be connected to the vine, it means that there's a time in your life where you let go of being the God of your life and you surrender to Jesus to let him sit in the throne of your life, to sit in the driver's seat. You let him be the Lord and Savior. See, that P, that's the idea of what Jesus was talking about when he told this story. He tells a parable. And he tells this parable of a farmer who just goes out and spreads seed on this ground and, and, and the seed has four different kinds of, of return. And he's explaining the parable to his disciples in Luke 8, verse 11. He says, this is the meaning. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. It's the message that Jesus Christ is the son of God. He was perfect and holy. He never did anything wrong and yet he died on a cross for you. And that message, that message is the word of God. And he says in verse 12, the seeds that fell on the footpath represented those who heard the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and to prevent them from believing and being saved. He tells a story of, of a, a farmer who spread seed. He says that seed is the message of Jesus Christ, but he says there's some people who never receive the seed. They never, they never hear the message and take it in. You've heard the message. Some of you are watching right now. You've heard the message. Jesus Christ loves you and died in your place. You've heard that, but you are sitting there choosing. That's not for me. That's a seed that has never taken hold. You can never become a branch. You will never produce the fruit of the spirit unless you are attached to Jesus Christ. So the P that, that, that is missing in all of that is that planting P. I wrote it in my Bible this way. Before you can produce, you must be planted. You must be planted. The planting is hearing that Jesus Christ loved you enough to take your place, and then you accept that, that you're not good enough to answer for your sin. You're not good enough to get yourself into heaven. And there's not a single one of us here, none of us, none of you under the sound of my voice, that are guaranteed that you'll live through tomorrow. And if, if something were to happen and you died, 
you took your last breath, would you stand before God knowing that you had a relationship with Jesus Christ? Knowing that you had a savior, that could only be true if there was a moment on this side of eternity where you chose to accept Jesus Christ as who he says he was, the son of God who died in your place. If you will invite Jesus into your heart, if you will accept his free gift of salvation, if you'll put your faith in that and you move out of the driver's seat and you let him be the God of your life, then you're planted. Then that seed begins to take hold. That is the single most important decision you'll ever make. I said it earlier. But if you'll do that and you'll allow God to take hold in your heart, then you can grow and then you can start working on what we talked about this weekend, producing fruit. Some of you have already done it. Some of you have Jesus in your life, but you have no fruit. You got to start prioritizing. Some of you have to start letting him prune you. And it's scary because it's painful, but it will produce more fruit if you let him do that. And some of you, some of you need to get back because you're not, you weren't persevering like he told you to. It got hard. You've walked away from God. You got mad at God. You blame God for some things. But if you'll come back to him, he says he's there waiting with open arms. If you will draw close to him, he'll draw close to you. So that's the challenge. Bring some fruit. Every single one of us have a step to take to bring fruit. For some of you, it's accepting Jesus right now as your Lord and Savior. For others of you, it's finding yourself on that journey and saying, God, I need some help. If you're like me, I need better priorities. I need more pruning and I need more perseverance. I need them all. Maybe you're better than me. I think all of us have a step to take though. And that's what we said. That's what we believe here. We all have a journey. We all have a step to take on that journey. What's yours? Will you let me pray for you? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come before you. We bow in your presence, God, because we, we don't even deserve to get to talk to you. And yet you've opened up such an amazing door for us to come to you and forgiveness that only you offer. And God, you're offering it to every single one of us. So in this moment, I pray for every person who's listening, every person who who hears the story of a God that would die for them, I pray that that seed would be planted in their life and they would receive you as the Lord and Savior, that they would have a relationship starting right now in this moment. They would have a relationship with you. God, I pray that they would not only know you as their Savior, but as their Lord, as the God who has a plan for their life. Lord, you said that you want to work through us, that... as, as we surrender to you, as we, as we allow you to use us, you would allow us to share what it is you're doing. And when we looked at the story last week, we knew that you could do miracles, but we were, we were left wondering, what is it that we can share? And God, I feel like this weekend, you've made it very clear that you have some fruit in our lives that you want us to produce that the people around us so desperately need. And God, you said that only comes from knowing you. So Lord, I pray right now, as there's people praying all over the place, as they're they're being honest about what it is they need to do to be closer to you, God, I pray that you would help remind us that you've called us for better. You've called us to more. Jesus Christ, I I, I pray that you you would show up in some big ways this week and call us to being more fruitful. Call us to to having more of those things that are so missing that our schools need and our homes need and our workplaces need. God, our communities need people filled with the Spirit, being a light in the darkness. God, we thank you for all that you've already done. 
And God, I thank you for what it is you want to do. What I believe it is that you're going to do. God, I have that hope because of your promises and your word and because of the precious name of Jesus Christ. That's how we ask all of this. It's in his name. Amen. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and around the world, you can visit harborchurch.com give or text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening. See you next week.